Mexico, which I thought of that. It's instantly recognizable, right? Straight from the film Halloween. Take a second to think about what kind of emotions it made you feel. Welcome, or welcome back to the 12.7 Humanity Boys. I'm Alex, joined here with Oscar, Pablo, and Rashid. We wanted to bring your attention to non-diegetic music in film and how important it can be. Now, most of you are probably wondering what non-diegetic music even is. Um, Pablo, you want to fill them in? So, non-diegetic sound is really any type of audio that plays for the audience only and isn't heard by the characters. Non-diegetic sounds tend to be a driving factor into different forms of art expression, creating additional emotions exclusively for the audience. Like in horror movies where they are able to instill that extra bit of intensity or fear into the audience just by using different sounds and sometimes without any words. Alright, so here, let's give you guys a quick comparison. We'll play you some footsteps. There we go. Nothing too bad, just a regular person walking on through. Now, give this a listen. Wasn't that a lot scarier? All we did was add a song behind the footsteps and suddenly, it can make you feel anxious. Exactly. I knew we were doing it, but man, it still made a big difference. And so that's the cool thing about music and how our brains perceive it. There's ample evidence that music and non-musical subjects both experience psychological responses when music is played. Usually, these responses are best described by the subject themselves. In two studies done by Xi'an and Gatewood, subjects were reported that their moods changed while listening to musical compositions. Similar classifications of music, or the same selection, causes the same changes in the majority of listeners, regardless of training, age, or the experience in listening to such musical compositions. I was able to interview the band director of Robert E. Lee High School, Robert Poulon, on the subject because he has his fair share of experience. Um, I started my education in Quebec where I grew up and my senior year of high school I moved to Wisconsin and did my final year in English. Uh, and then I never left back. I came to Texas, got my bachelor's degree in music education and my master's degree in uh, instrumental conducting. Uh, and that's my education. I've been working as a band director for 28 years. 28 years is no joke. I think it's safe to say that music plays an important role in this life. Oh my goodness. Music's my whole world. Um, I, I love it in every way there is to love it. Uh, even the pieces or artists I don't like, I still appreciate because they're in music. Um, it feeds the soul for me, it feeds my whole life. But the reason I teach is to see if I can instill music, or at least the love of music in students, so that as they leave high school, they're a little bit more knowledgeable, they can be uh, patrons of the art. If a show comes to town, they go, oh, I want to go see this because I heard about it from band or things like that. Right. And they appreciate artists coming and go see concerts and that kind of thing and have a little bit more knowledge than the average person who wasn't in my program. The average person sees music as just something to be consumed like anything else, like a TV show or a movie. 
Uh, they don't appreciate everything that goes into creating it in the first place, like writing it, composing it, the production value of it uh, once it's finished, and then just the, the musician or the artist's work that goes into creating the performance. You see, those without a background in music are unable to truly pick apart why they like the song. But what's important to know is that they still feel and those psychological changes can be just as powerful and resonate just as much. Going back to the Halloween theme is a great example of non diegetic music and we want to dissect it even further. Halloween is a film directed by John Carpenter released in 1978. The plot revolves around Michael Myers beginning his story by killing his older sister on Halloween. He is taken away from home and eventually placed in a mental health facility for the criminally insane. He escapes the facility 15 years later and makes his way back to his hometown in Illinois, just in time for Halloween. While a doctor from the facility is attempting to find Michael, Michael's attention is fixated onto Lori Strode, a high school student. After stalking her and her friends all day, he begins making moves after the sunset. He kills off her friends and then turns to Lori. Then, of course, Michael somehow survives a fall from a balcony after being shot five times can kill off the main franchise character in the first movie. Or even the second one, or the fourth, or the fifth. See, there's a lot of continuation in the Halloween series, but we're pretending the third installment doesn't exist. Throughout the movie, a couple of different tracks play, non-diegetically. Funnily enough, Halloween was a low-budget film, leaving the original soundtrack to be composed by its director, Carpenter. He created the film's score primarily as a director. Although the music can work as standalone tracks, Carpenter mostly uses it as an aid to the visuals. Now, as a viewer, you know what's coming when you hear the main theme play, but the characters don't. In fact, they seem absurdly unsuspecting while viewers anxiously watch and maybe even yell in frustration at the screen. Knowing that music can affect our feelings, you should know that there are specific techniques that can be used to choose with what tone to set. Well, music has been forever uh, part of big emotional events, whether it be a wedding, a funeral, uh, or anything of the sort, even saying happy birthday to people on their birthday to make them feel good. So it's always been used to manipulate things. Composers are very good and knowledgeable about uh, how to trigger the emotions they're looking for. If you want somebody to feel unsettled, then the use of dissonances or uh, darker sounds will generate those feelings. And if you want people to feel happy, you keep it in a major key, you keep a uh, bouncy rhythm to it uh, that's not complicated so that it triggers the emotions that you want. The movie begins with the rolling opening credits. The company song is none other than the main theme. This may be the first time the audience hears it, but it certainly won't be the last. Right away, there's something pretty unsettling about the repetition of the first phrase. The melody is played on the higher end of a piano over two percussive instruments that keep a steady pulse. This opening phrase repeats seven times completely unchanging, and this repetition here is enough to make plenty of people uneasy. There's just something innately chilling about changeless repetition.
The main thing most people aren't expecting in the theme is the unusual time signature of 5 over 4. That means in one measure, there are 5 beats rather than the 4 that we are accustomed to. The feel of the theme is now thrown out of a much desired stability into a more of a lopsided feel. Suddenly, new instrumentation is introduced and there's more movement in the melody and overall. The bigger and increasing volume adds fuel and begins to raise the feeling of tension. Composers are very good and knowledgeable about um, how to trigger the emotions they're looking for. If you want somebody to feel unsettled, then the use of dissonances or uh, darker sounds will generate those feelings. And if you want people to feel happy, you keep it in a major key, you keep a, a bouncy rhythm to it uh, that's not complicated so that it triggers the emotions that you want. And so, is, is there anything you think um, that they do for maybe like fear specifically? Fear would be a uh, combination of those composing devices, such as a lot of dissonances. The key eventually changes, dropping down a half step, resulting in some dissonance. Dissonance in music put simply is a clashing sound between two or more notes. As the song goes on, it begins to feel increasingly chaotic as more goes on and it reaches in its highest volume. really have a true ending, but Carpenter uses this to, set, to his advantage. At a moment's notice, the song can slowly creep in from nowhere. As Michael leaves scenes in the movie and the stress strands out, the, the theme fades out and just as quickly as he did. This is an example of what we meant when we say Carpenter composed primarily as a director. In any case, I think it'd be pretty safe to say that movies and films are so much more than what is visible, whether you realize it or not. Careful composition of a soundtrack can make all the difference between a horrible movie and a great one. Speaking of making or breaking a film, Carpenter had previewed the first cut of the movie for a producer who felt the movie was not scary in the slightest. In this cut of the movie, the visuals were complete. And how could it not be even a little scary? Easy. There was no music yet. This left Carpenter discouraged as he set out to write out the score. Upon release, Halloween was a hit, sparing the subgenre of slasher films into popularity, cementing its spot in the film Hall of Fame. The movie is known as a major influence to this day, whether it's the film tactics or the music. Really, the main point we wanted to make is to just appreciate. Non-diegetic sound, especially music, is crucial to conveying emotion. So the next time you watch a movie, pay closer attention to the non-diegetic audio you're listening to. Alright guys, so this marks the end of our episode. Thanks for listening.